Welcome in to the Dolphins in Depth podcast. I am caddy of the show Armando Salguero and star of the show. Wait, no star of the show. Where is star of the show? Wow. I guess we're going to have to go with a new star of the show this week. I believe that Dolphin fans are the star of the show. And so therefore, I'm going to be taking and answering your questions on air today as you are the star of the show. Let's start out today with the passing of Don Shula. I don't want to, you know, really get started with a with a downer of a of a situation because obviously the death of an icon is not a happy occasion. It's the opposite of a happy occasion. But I got to tell you folks, Don Shula lived 90 years and <laughs> it was a life well lived in my opinion. It was a life lived of integrity, a life lived of honor, a life lived of ups and downs as we all have it. But you know what? There was a lot more ups than there were downs. And some of those ups including or included having the the greatest season in the history, arguably, of all of sports. I know that other teams had undefeated seasons. I know that other teams did amazing things. Um, I don't know too many professional teams that had undefeated seasons. I certainly don't know any National Football League teams since the merger who had undefeated seasons. So I would say that although the passing of Don Shula is a, um, is, it's a gut punch. It really is. Having said that, um, Well done, Don Shula. Well done. Well done, sir. I want to share with you a couple of Don Shula stories that, that I don't believe have been shared very often. So in 1994, Don Shula, in December of that season, came off a practice field and suddenly he tripped and he didn't fall. He, it was a trip. He comes over and talks to the, the reporters who were there, does his press conference for about 15 or 20 minutes, walks inside the facility, goes upstairs to his office, has lunch, talks to his coaches, and then he gets around to calling the trainer, Ryan Vermillion at the time, because... You know, ever since that trip on the field, something doesn't feel right. It turns out that Don Shula had torn his Achilles. And when you see players on a field tear their Achilles, what is it that typically happens? They fall to the ground, writhing in pain, complaining, begging for attention, Teammates gather around them. They don't move. They can't move. They bring out stretchers. They bring out carts. And they are moved off the field after about five minutes. Don Shula walked off the field, did a press conference, walked upstairs, had lunch, had a meeting with coaches, 
And then he called the trainer because, oh yeah, his Achilles was popped. That's how tough Don Shula was. Fast forward to that week's game. Don Shula is now wearing a cast and he's on the sideline on a cart because that's how he was going to have to get around that day. And it's interesting because he was on a cart being driven by Stuart Weinstein, who was the team's uh, security investigator at the time. And suddenly uh, the NFL security investigator comes over to Weinstein and says, can I talk to you for a second? It's kind of important. Okay. Weinstein turns to Don Shula and says, excuse me, coach, I got to have this quick conversation for a second. I'll be right back. Fine. Weinstein comes over and there is Paul Tagliabue, the commissioner of the NFL. And Tagliabue says, um, Stu, so we are, uh, we're, we've been watching this pregame. We're a little concerned about Don Shula being on a cart on the sideline you know, during the game. So could you go tell him to manage the game from the press box? And Weinstein looks at Paul Tagliabue like he's got a horn growing out of his forehead. And he says like, what? What do you mean? What, do you, what are you talking about? Yeah, could you go tell the coach that, uh, you know, he can't coach on the sideline today? Please get him up to the press box. <laughs> and Weinstein's like, wait a second, I, I'm not going to do that. You go tell the coach that he can't be on the sideline, his sideline of a home game today. And Tagliabue's like, well, it's not my job. And it's like, Tagliabue is, I, 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 that's, that's, not my, that's not where I need to go. And Weinstein's like, you're the commissioner of the NFL. You are the ultimate authority over the league. You go tell Don Shula he can't be on the sideline. Tagliabue thinks about it for a second. Yeah, and then he just walks away. The point of the story is Don Shula, nobody told Don Shula where to be or what to do. And oh, by the way, Don Shula never coached a game in a press box. He never did it other than on his sideline. That sideline belonged to him. And the commissioner of the NFL didn't have the gumption, the nerve to tell him you can't do that. It's just not happening. Um, I hope you enjoyed that story and those stories. I have a personal story with Don Shula that I want to share with you. I've shared it with others. Um, So in the mid to early 1990s, in the preseason, I basically wanted to do a story of what it was like to go on the road with the Miami Dolphins. And as part of that story, I asked Harvey Green who was the media relations director at the time. Could you tell me how it is that you handle, you know, Coach Shula's accommodations on the road? And Harvey's like, yeah, sure, no problem. 
And he told me about his suite. Don Shula got a suite on the road. What a surprise. And he told me, yeah, and, you know, we bring food. We stock it with food. And he likes to have his refrigerator stocked with a case of beer. Uh, And I'm like, okay. And I didn't think two seconds about it. And when I wrote the story, I wrote that, sure enough, Don Shula has beer in his refrigerator on the road. Well, the next day, uh, I believe the road game was in Orlando or Tampa. It was the preseason. And I walk into the hotel, and that's when the Dolphins allowed media to stay at their hotel. As a matter of fact, they, they made the reservations for us. Nowadays, the Dolphins don't want the media anywhere close to you uh, or close to them. And in some cases, by the way, I don't blame them. Anyway, I walk in and Harvey greets me at the lobby and he's like, you might have gotten me fired. And I'm like, I got you fired? How did I get you fired? Coach is livid, livid with your story today. And I'm like, what are you talking about? It's, it's, a, it's a routine, ordinary story. He's like, he's very angry that you wrote about the beer in his refrigerator. <laughs> I said, Harvey, you told me about the beer in his refrigerator. What do you mean he's angry? And, he, and Harvey's like, well, he's not just angry at you. He's angry at me for telling you. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm sorry. I mean, <laughs> I just, you know, I just did what you told me. I wrote what you told me. So... We go and they play the game. I interview coach after the game. No issues, nothing. We go back to South Florida. Two days later, I used to come out to the Davy training camp almost every day, sometimes, you know, three, four times a week because I knew that coach uh, typically ran. He used to jog every, every day at noon around the practice field. And back then, again, a different time, a more friendly time between the media and the team. You could just walk in and sit down on a steel bench that was right outside the Dolphins locker room. And I did that. Nowadays, you try to do that, you get shot. But anyway, so I I used to do that and I would sit myself at that steel bench. And after Shula was done running, he would come over and, you know, he'd take off his sneakers and, and pound them against the, the cement so that he could get the grass off of his shoes. And he would take off his socks. And the whole time we're talking about the Miami Dolphins. Anyway, so this day he, he comes over and he sits down and he says to me, Yeah, you made me look like an ass. <laughs> and I said, Whoa. And so... I knew what this was about all of a sudden because obviously, um, you know, Harvey was still freaking out from two days or three days before. And I said, well, what are you talking about, coach? And the fact that I asked that question lit him up, apparently. And he fires off this tirade that includes some um, not publishable and not relatable on a podcast of the Miami Herald words uh, that included uh, F and also included uh, a a U 
and also included a C and also included a K. So anyway, um, he's, he is angry, livid that I had the nerve to write that he had 24 beers or whatever in his refrigerator, in his suite on the road. And why is this? Because he says to me, you made me look like I'm an alcoholic, like I'm on the road drinking myself to sleep and it's not right. That's not what I do. (laughs) I said, coach, I never said anything about you drinking on the road. I just said you had beer. And as a matter of fact, I had written that you have it for, in part, your coaches and whatever guests you might have to offer them. He was having none of it. He wanted no part of an explanation. He just wanted to light into me. So, <laughs> yeah, that, that didn't go over so great. So I leave and I went home crying and I had to go clean myself up because I had soiled myself because Don Shula had yelled at me and had used very bad words to me. And I hadn't had those words said to me like ever by a grown man. And so I cried myself to sleep and I considered, you know, possibly cutting off my head. And the next morning my phone rings and it's, Ann Rodriguez, who was the secretary for Don Shula. And she said, hold for coach Shula. And now I'm thinking, oh, great. This, this diatribe is going to continue now on the phone. He's going to rip me some more. I don't have a butt to be ripped because he ripped my butt yesterday and I haven't grown a new one yet. And so he gets on the phone and he's like, uh, you coming over today? Um, you, if you want, yeah. Well, I'm running at one, not noon. So just wanted to let you know. And he hangs up. <laughs> and that was it. And Don Shula was done with his anger toward me. He never mentioned it again. I came over that day. It was as if nothing had happened. It was as if he had forgotten And it was wonderful because it gave me the opportunity to regrow a butt and to get myself gathered together and to wipe myself from having soiled myself the previous day. And onward we went and all was well. And that is my Don Shula ripped me a new one story. By the way, that was the only time that he was angry at me. Um, Thankfully, (laughs) yes, thankfully, that was the only time he was angry at me and I really, you know, respected him because he was standing up for his integrity and his reputation. And after he made his stand, he was back to normal and forgot all about it and went forward and never mentioned it again. And I have respect for him coming in and going out of that story because, again, it was about defending his reputation and what he saw as an aspersion on his reputation. And number two, it was about forgiveness 
and kindness and grace and mercy on the other end. And I thought that was wonderful. I hope that you are enjoying this starless Dolphins in Depth podcast with caddy of the show, Armando Salguero. All right. So we are going to take some of your questions. And by we, I mean me and that other me and that other me. Because star of the show is not here. Caddy of the show carrying the whole show. Yeah, what else is new? And I'm going to expect that you will be the stars of the show. So let's get to your questions. These are questions from Dolphin fans who are also uh, my Twitter followers. You can follow me on Twitter at Armando Salguero, just like it sounds. (laughs) Yeah, pretty funny. Just like they spell it in Nebraska. A-R-M-A-N-D-O-S-A-L-G-U-E-R-O. Armando Salguero. All right, here we go. Your questions. Do you think the Dolphins cave and play Tua Tungavailoa in 2020? I think he needs a year to sit out. And that question from BK on Twitter. And BK, why? Why does he need to sit out? Why do we need to make that decision now? Why does the plan have to happen in April or May or whatever month this is? They don't play a game until September. What I want to see is Tua Tungavailoa go into training camp, whatever version of training camp that may be, regardless of whether it starts on time in late July or it doesn't start on time and it, it starts maybe the first or the second week of August. And I want to see him compete. That's why he was drafted, no? That's what NFL players do, right? They compete. So I want to see him get in there, learn his playbook, learn the plays, learn his teammates, learn the coaches, and play, compete. Let's go. Um, And I know that there's a question about his health and his hip and being careful, and you want to sit him out to make sure that the hip is really, really, really healed. And I get all of that. Look, He was cleared by his doctors. He said so a hundred times. He said that he could play uh, a game on April 10th. And here we are in May. And we're not going to go to training camp until August, possibly. So I don't have a problem with Tua playing and competing in the preseason and in training camp. And then I don't have a problem with him playing in the season, if that's what is in the best interest of the Miami Dolphins. Notice, in the best interest of the Miami Dolphins is a multi-fold issue because it might be in the best interest of the Miami Dolphins to not play Tua right away, to let him learn, to let him um, marinate, so to speak, and let him get his feet under him. Look, Patrick Mahomes did not start a game, his rookie season, until the final game of the season. They let him learn. They let him, um, you know, kind of grow for a season. I don't have a problem if that's what happens with Tua. But 
I don't think that there should be a plan to draft a guy number five overall, and that plan is you're not you're going to be, uh, you know, shelved until 2021. That doesn't make sense. At some point, he might be the best quarterback on the roster. I hope it's sooner rather than later because it would suggest that they made a good pick. And so at that point, it's in the best interest of the Miami Dolphins if they are in some sort of playoff hunt to get to it and play their best player. That's just my feeling. I don't believe the team will at any point this season say, absolutely, he's not playing all year or absolutely, he is the starter on day one. I don't think that you'll hear that from Brian Flores. This question from Ralphie on Twitter. What do you think about the Dolphins wearing 72 uh, unis in honor of Coach Shula? (laughs) Hey, I'm all for it, bro. Uh, Look, I am on record. The throwback uniforms, the 1966 uniforms, which, by the way, also happened to be the same uniform they wore in 1972. I love those uniforms. I think it's, it's a trademark tradition. It's a call to a greater day, a better day. And I think that they look good. I think the Dolphins look tough in those uniforms. I like, I like it. Uh, I'm not alone. I think if you polled a million Dolphin fans around the world... The, the poll would be 998,999 to, you know, maybe a thousand people who are off their rocker would say, no, no, you know, we're, we're, we, like, we like the new one. I get it. Except here's the problem. We don't get to decide. The uniforms are decided ultimately by one man. And that's Stephen Ross. He gets to decide. And so far, he's about the new thing. He's about the out-of-the-box thinking. He's about, you know, being newfangled and modern day and, and uh, you know, the 21st century. And so that's, that's how it is. And guess what? It's his call. Why? Because he paid over a billion dollars for the team. And so he gets the final say, and so far the final say has been, we're going to go with the new uniforms. Here's a question from Vegas 6. Oh, no, sorry. The question is from Nolan. Forgive me. Um, What is the realistic expectation for this season? And the reason I said Vegas 6 is because in my notes... (laughs) It, it tells me that Las Vegas says the under the over under for this season for the Miami Dolphins is six wins. And I'm like, I see that and I'm like, what? What do you mean six wins? They spent $150 million in guaranteed contracts. They signed 10 unrestricted free agents that cost them over $240 million in total contract worth. They added 11 draft picks, including three number ones and two number twos. And you're telling me out of all that addition, 
the Miami Dolphins in 2020 will win one more game than they won in 2019, I would, I would like jump out of the press box if that was the fact. And look, I, look, let's be real here. Uh, we all know that the schedule this year looks on its face to be a little bit tougher than the schedule last year. Of course, um, the people that say that uh, don't happen to factor in the fact that Tom Brady won't be on the schedule twice this year. Nonetheless, also, I don't believe Lamar Jackson, the MVP of the league, will be on the schedule this year. So let me just put that out there, okay? Six and 10 for the 2020 Miami Dolphins is a failure. It is every bit of what six and 10 feels like for every other team. Look, Miami Dolphins faithful, it's time to re-enter Earth, okay? Last year, we were all floating out there in space, and we were all like, well, you know, if they lose, that's a good thing. They get a better draft pick. It's going to be fine. All is well. I'm not really worried about losing. It's not a loser thing to lose. This year, we're back to reality. This year, it is about winning and losing. It is about succeeding at the most highest level that you can reach and doing it as often as you as you can I get choked up when I talk about winning it's a wonderful thing winning and I want the Miami Dolphins to do it as often as they can and six wins is a bad season okay I don't want the head coach of the Miami Dolphins entering year three with a, a an 11 and what was it uh 11 and 21 record that that's a, a, a mediocre season away from getting fired. That's ridiculous. So I want the Miami Dolphins to show significant improvement and significant improvement after spending $150 million guaranteed and having 10 unrestricted free agents and 11 draft picks, five of them in the first two rounds. Uh, is not six wins. It's just not. One one game uh, plus is not good. What is good? Look, let's, let's, let's say eight, nine. I could take eight or nine wins. I would dismiss, I would say to you, eight or nine wins is the floor. That's what you have to do. You're supposed to do eight or nine wins with that kind of uh, expenditure with that kind of investment, eight or nine wins. And then in 2021, you know, dolphin fans, I don't want to hear the, well, we're going to take a, we're going to take a step back. Cause now Tua is starting. He's not, he's got to learn. So we're going to lose at some point. We have to get off of the loser treadmill at some point. The excuses for losing have to stop. Let's stop them this year. They have to win eight games. Let's be 500 at least, okay? Let's not be a loser franchise. Let's not root for losers. Let's root for winners, and let's expect winning. And next year, let's root for bigger winners, not lesser winners, okay? That's just my take. And, and I know that some of you will excuse anything. I'm not one of those people. I'm sorry. 
Let's take uh, another question here and and um, what do you think, Mondo, is going to happen with the Josh Rosen situation? And this from Cesar Escoria Alvarado. You like that Spanish language thing? Uh, so Cesar, here's my thinking on Josh Rosen. Is he costing a lot right now? No. Is he, you know, a problem in the locker room right now? No. Is he, is he somehow demanding to be traded? Well, that I don't know. I doubt it because there's not really a trade market for him. So what I would believe and what has been hinted to me is what the, the plan is. Let's go to training camp. Let's go through the offseason. Let's see if he's improved. Let's see if he's gotten better and let it all play out. Because the fact of the matter is we don't know what we don't know. We don't know what the injuries are going to be on the Dolphins in the quarterback room or not. We don't know what Tua's situation is with his health or not. And we don't know what the injury situation is in the 31 other quarterback rooms. Because it might be that at some point, some other team says, hey, uh, two of our quarterbacks just went down. We'll give you a fourth-round pick for Josh Rosen. The Dolphins would never be able to get a fourth-round pick for Rosen right now. Never. Uh, it's just they, they would have to try to give something to, to get like a sixth or a seventh-round pick. It's, it's just not happening. The, 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 the desire, the hunger for Josh Rosen is not big in, around the NFL right now. The Dolphins have him. Hey, let's make the best of it. Let's see what happens. My sense and my experience, and I think the Dolphins' experience is, these things often take care of themselves. Maybe Josh Rosen just lights it up, and he earns this, you know, the, the, the backup role. Maybe, who knows what might happen, but the point is there is no... Uh, deadline right now that says we got to get rid of Josh Rosen right now. I think the deadline for that is the final cuts and maybe even after the final cuts uh, of, you know, the 2020 season. I believe that there will be a moment where it will be clear where situations and circumstances both here and elsewhere will determine what the right uh, road to take with Josh Rosen is. Hey, uh, so I think I went a little long because I'm a gas bag. And so I do appreciate you joining us today on the Dolphins in Depth podcast. It was my pleasure as caddy of the show to carry this show all by myself. That really changes things from what normally happens. <laughs> I said that with a straight face. That normally we have star of the show carrying the show. Yeah. Um, and so I want to thank you for joining us. Star of the show will be back next week. I wish I could remember his name. What is star of the show's name? Maybe next week I'll remember it. Tune in next week to see if I remember star of the show's name. Thanks a lot.